0: chapter thirteen of the dawn of mediaeval europe four seventy six to nine eighteen by j h b masterman this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela Nagami. the pope the lombards and the franks charles martel Liutprand, king of the lombards leo the isaurian and gregory the second all begin to play their part in history within a few years of each other and while charles declined as we have seen to be drawn into italian affairs the other three form a group around which italian history centres dr hodgkin ingeniously compares the contest of this period to the litigation that might go on in an english parish between an absentee landlord a big nonconformist farmer and a cultured but acquisitive parson the emperor is the absentee landlord Represented by the exarch of Ravenna, the Lombard king is the farmer, and the pope is the parson. Liutprand, 712 to 743, was perhaps the best of all the Lombard kings. It is unfortunate that we are so largely dependent for our knowledge of this period on papal chroniclers and letters, for the unmeasured terms in which the popes denounce the Lombard kings gives us no sort of idea of their real character but the prosperity of the lombard kingdom during the thirty years of Liutprand's reign and his friendship with charles martel who sent his son pippin to him to be dubbed as a knight attest the wisdom of his rule he had been king for fourteen years when the edict of leo against images the story of which will be told in another chapter set all italy in a blaze for the edict not only involved a claim on the part of the emperor to legislate on religious questions without any consultation with the pope it also struck at a cherished part of the religious life of the italian people an attempt of scholasticus the exarch of ravenna to publish the edict led to a riot in ravenna and the duke of naples was murdered by a mob when he tried to enforce it in his territories Gregory put himself at the head of the opposition and wrote vigorous, outspoken, and discourteous letters to the emperor, warning him of the error of his proceedings. Meanwhile, Liutprand seized the opportunity to march into the Exarchate, where city after city opened its gates to him, and at length Ravenna itself fell into his hands, the Exarch escaping to Venice, which remained loyal to the emperor but as soon as Liutprand's back was turned the exarch aided by a venetian army recovered the city which an outbreak of rebellion by the dukes of spoleto and beneventum prevented Liutprand from attacking again the recalcitrant dukes were soon reduced to order but in the meanwhile the exarch acting on orders from the emperor marched to rome to seize the person of the pope while the siege was in progress Liutprand and his army arrived outside the city and the pope threw himself on the protection of the lombard king who received him with the utmost respect and constituting himself as arbiter arranged a general pacification the exarch retaining the city of ravenna but surrendering to Liutprand the other cities that were already in his hands Leo's second and more drastic edict of 730 only served to arouse even stronger opposition in Italy, and almost the last act of Gregory's life was the assembling of a council of Italian bishops to anathematize all who refused to worship images. In the following year he died. He had been the first pope for a long time who was a roman by birth and he is recorded to have been an earnest restorer of churches and monasteries ruined by the contest of the previous period to his time in office also belongs the visit to rome of ina king of the west saxons who after reigning for thirty-seven years renounced his kingdom and came with his wife ethelburga as a pilgrim to rome where he stayed for the short remainder of his life founding it is said a saxon school in rome for his fellow-countrymen gregory the second was succeeded by a syrian pope gregory the third who is said to have been compelled to accept the papal office while assisting at the funeral of his predecessor he is the last pope whose election was confirmed by the exarch of ravenna acting for the emperor the first few years of the new pope were peaceful the opposition of the Italians to the iconoclastic decrees cut off Italy almost entirely from the empire, and the Exarch, clinging desperately to his one remaining stronghold of Ravenna, could do nothing to restore imperial authority. Peace was broken at last through what appears to be a foolish challenge thrown down to the Lombard king by Gregory. The Duke of Spoleto, having made an unsuccessful attempt to throw off the overlordship of liutprand took refuge in rome and gregory refused to surrender him liutprand promptly marched against rome capturing the papal towns on his way and laid siege to the city gregory terrified at the prospect of falling into the hands of the lombards wrote frantic appeals to charles martel drawing harrowing pictures of the desolation and ruin of the roman church and imploring charles as he valued his soul's salvation to haste to the rescue but charles already drawing near his end remained unmoved and within a few months both he and gregory died Seven forty-one. to the new pope zacharias Liutprand behaved with the greatest consideration on his promising that he would give no more help to the duke of spoleto he restored all the papal cities that he had captured and added rich gifts to the roman church two years later he died leaving the lombard kingdom in its highest condition of prosperity undisturbed by internal divisions and at peace with its great northern neighbour Liutprand was succeeded by a nephew hildebrand who proved himself an incompetent ruler was deposed in a few months to make room for ratkis duke of friuli for five years or so ratkis remained at peace with the pope then for some reason that is not clear he broke the truce and laid siege to perugia zacharias who had already exercised his personal influence over Liutprand in the last year of his life when he dissuaded him from a projected attack on ravenna now gave an even more striking evidence of his personal power for when he visited the lombard camp to dissuade ratkis from his warlike design he so influenced the king that with his wife and daughters he repaired to rome there took monastic vows and joined the benedictines at the great monastery of monte cassino he was succeeded by his brother Astolph, who while zacharias lived appears to have held his restless and turbulent ambition in check the last important act of zacharias's pontificate was the sanction he gave to the transference of the frankish crown from the merovingian line to pippin he died in 752 and after a pope stephen who only held office for three days stephen II succeeded the new pope was a roman by birth and had been brought up in the papal palace under gregory II he therefore inherited the traditions of papal policy what these traditions were can be seen by reference to a celebrated document which probably first saw the light at about this time the document is the donation of constantine and purports to be a decree of the first christian empire granting immense dignities and possessions to the roman bishop after giving to the occupant of the papal see supremacy over the seas of alexandria antioch jerusalem and constantinople and sovereignty over all the priests in the world and appointing the church in the lateran palace as the head and summit of all the churches in the whole world it goes on to grant to the roman clergy various ceremonial privileges they may ride on horses with white saddle-cloths and wear white shoes like the senators and the pope is to wear an imperial tiara wherewith the emperor in person has crowned him then follows the important clause on which so vast a superstructure was destined to be built wherefore that the pontifical crown may be adorned with glory and influence beyond the dignity of the earthly empire we hand over and relinquish our palace the city of rome and all the provinces places and cities of italy and the western region to the most blessed pontiff and universal pope sylvester and we ordain by our pragmatic constitution that they shall be governed by him and his successors and we grant that they shall remain under the authority of the holy roman church no one now believes that constantine made any such donation as this but it does not follow that the document is a mere forgery it represents a tradition that was growing up at the papal court at this critical period when rome had need of all the weapons legal as well as material that she could enlist in her service against the ambition and strength of the lombards the imperial cause in italy was clearly doomed and as the power of the empire decayed the prospect of the establishment of a new italian kingdom as large as and more stable than that of theodoric began to appear as an imminent danger under Astolf's restless and able leadership the lombard menace soon grew pressing in 751, the lombard king marched against ravenna which now fell finally into his hands the last exarch taking refuge in sicily then after one more campaign against spoleto the king began to close in on his destined victim the pope as ruler of ravenna what more natural than that he should claim the same authority over rome that previous rulers of ravenna had exercised accordingly the strife began with demands for tribute and recognition from the pope. In vain embassy after embassy from Rome confronted the Lombard king. In vain holy abbots from the most renowned monasteries of Italy interceded for peace. The king remained inexorable. Then a new figure appears upon the scenes. John, the imperial silentiarius, bearing a letter from the emperor, demanding from eisdolf the return of the lands he had seized and charging the pope to secure their restoration to all which stephen can only reply by a last appeal to the emperor to come to the deliverance of the city but while the emperor was unable to respond to the appeal there was another power from which help might be secured and stephen sent a private letter to pippin suggesting that he should invite him to visit the frankish court the frankish king must have recognised that by accepting this proposal he was committing himself to the championing of the cause of the pope against the ancient allies of his people but the spell that had drawn visigoth ostrogoth and lombard from the danube to the tiber was now drawing the greatest of the teutonic peoples toward the same goal the 10 years that had passed since the death of charles had greatly strengthened the influence of the papacy in northern europe boniface now nearly at the end of his strenuous life had done splendid service for the papal cause and the support given by zacharias to the deposition of the last of the merovingians had forged a new bond of union between rome and francia pippin sent two messengers to convey his invitation to the pope and stephen sent back two letters one addressed to the king and the other to the frankish nobles who might be expected to show less enthusiasm than the king for a campaign against the Lombards. Meanwhile, a fresh envoy had come from Constantinople, charging the Pope to go in person to demand from the Lombard king the restoration of the imperial territory. A messenger sent to Aestolf to demand a safe conduct for the Pope returned with the necessary guarantee, just as two distinguished Franks arrived to conduct the Pope across the Alps. These were Duke Outcar and Schrodegang, Bishop of Metz, the most important church leader next to Boniface in Francia. Stephen accordingly set out for Pavia, professedly to support the demands of the imperial envoys, but really to demand permission to visit the Frankish court, a demand that, backed up by the support of Pippin's two representatives, the Lombard king dared not refuse to cross the great saint bernard in november was no easy task but the pope and his companions safely reached the monastery of samoris at Augenham, where Fulrod of st denis and duke roland met the travellers to escort them to the court pippin himself with his family came south to a royal palace at Pontion in champagne and the king sent his eldest son charles of whom we now hear for the first time to meet the pope so on the sixth of january 754 king and pope met outside pantheon the meeting may rightly be judged one of the most important events in european history for if pippin had not decided to espouse the cause of the pope nothing could have saved rome from falling into the hands of the lombards And while the Frankish kings, free from the entanglement of Italian affairs, would have been able to devote themselves to the building up of their own territories, the Lombards might have united Italy under one rule, and so the work of Bismarck and Cavour might have been forestalled by a thousand years. But these things were not to be. Having undertaken to support the cause of the Pope, Pippin was solemnly crowned with his wife and sons, and an anathema pronounced on any who should hereafter attempt to dispossess the family of pippin as pippin had dispossessed the merovingians at the same time stephen conferred on pippin the title of patrician a title that had generally been held by the exarch of Ravenna, and that strictly speaking the emperor alone had the right to grant this act like all of stephen's course of action at this crisis implied a practical repudiation of imperial authority in italy it was for himself and not for the emperor that the pope requested from pippin the sovereignty of the exarchate and its subject lands but however willing pippin might be to champion the cause of the pope questions of peace and war could not among the franks be decided on the mere word of the king and accordingly a general assembly of the frankish nobles was held near soissons at which pippin was able not without considerable difficulty to persuade his chief men to agree to the war or at least to the opening of such negotiations with Astolf as might probably end in armed conflict at this juncture a dramatic scene occurred carloman sent apparently by the abbot of monte cassino suddenly appeared at the court to plead for peace between his brother and the lombard king we do not know what motives led him to this step which the papal chronicler attributes to the devilish persuasions of Astolf. we only know that pippin turned a deaf ear to his appeals and sent him to a monastery somewhere in the frankish kingdom where he died soon after a pathetic end for one who had been a great warrior and in all but name a king. What promises exactly Pippin made to the Pope in regard to the Italian possessions of the empire is a matter of controversy. If any document was, as later Papal chroniclers believe, drawn up, no trace of it now remains. It is probably true that Pippin intended to secure for the Pope the Exarchate of Ravenna he certainly did not intend to wrest these lands from Astolf merely to hand them over to the emperor nor did he contemplate at this stage the extension of his own rule to the lands beyond the alps while preparing for this expedition to italy pippin made strenuous efforts to secure by negotiation the cession of the lands that Astolf had seized it was only when all negotiations proved useless that the host gathered near soissons for the great expedition an advanced guard succeeded in driving Astolf from susa where he was watching the passes of the alps and the main army crossing without any fighting laid siege to pavia finding resistance useless aistoff surrendered promising to restore ravenna and other cities to the pope and the roman republic but no sooner had pippin and his warriors recrossed the alps then fresh difficulties arose and a series of piteous appeals from the pope reached the frankish court Astolf, whose heart the devil has invaded has restored nothing but was heaping such insults on the holy church that the very stones might weep pippin might have listened unmoved to these complaints if Aistulf had not put himself hopelessly in the wrong by laying siege to rome and demanding the surrender of the person of the pope For three months the siege went on, and the Pope waxed more urgent in his appeals for help. On you, after God and St. Peter, depend the lives of all the Romans. If we perish, all the nations of the earth will say, Where is the confidence of the Romans, which they placed in the kings and the nation of the Franks? when personal appeal seemed in vain the pope wrote a letter purporting to be addressed by st peter to the kings bishops and nobles of the franks wherein the apostle urges the franks as they value their souls to haste to the rescue of that city of rome which is under the special care of the writer early in 756 pippin set out for another expedition into italy at pavia he was met by two envoys from the emperor who tried to persuade him to restore the exarchate to the empire, a proposal to which the king emphatically refused to consent. Astolf was soon reduced to submission, and this time the Frankish king took good care to ensure the fulfilment of the treaty by which twenty-three cities in the exarchate were to be handed over to the Pope. The keys of the surrendered cities were placed in the sepulchre of St. Peter in Rome, and by that act the pope at once acquired the status of a sovereign prince and repudiated his subjection to the empire in the following year Astolf died killed by a fall from his horse while out hunting for the vacant throne two claimants appeared one of these was a powerful lombard lord desiderius duke of tuscany a favourite of the late king but apparently a man of humble birth the other was Rotkis, who after seven years of monastic life at monte cassino suddenly escaped to pavia and there for three months ruled as king war between the rival claimants seemed inevitable but desiderius succeeded in securing the support of the pope by the promise of bologna and several other cities that Liutprand had captured long ago from the exarchate ratkiss retired from the unequal contest and part of the promised territory was handed over to the Pope by the new King of the Lombards. Just after this, Stephen died, and was succeeded by his brother Paul, who occupied the papal chair through ten comparatively uneventful years. The relations between the Pope and the Franks remained close and cordial, though Pippin took no further share in Italian affairs, and Paul contrived to live on terms of comparative peace with his Lombard neighbors. The Pope and the Frankish King died within a year of each other, and a new period of confusion and contest followed in Italy, ending at last in a new Frankish intervention and the final end of the Lombard Kingdom. End of chapter 13